0: Well, good morning, and happy Father's Day. Uh, Today, this message, I mean, obviously it's focused towards dads, but uh, it's for any man or any woman out there. I think what God has given me, I feel very confident what God has given me will be uh, a great direction for all of us. But before I get started, you know what I want to do today? I want to start with a little Father's Day humor. I came across a story that when uh, Peter was 16 years old, He finally got a hold of his driver's license. So in order to celebrate the special day, the whole family went out to the driveway and they climbed into the car to enjoy the first official drive. But however, it was interesting, dad went to the back seat where he sat right behind his son. So his son, Bob, when he saw his dad said, dad, boy, I guess you must be fed up of the front seat after teaching me how to drive for all these past few months. Right that and dad goes, no son, that's not true at all. I'm gonna sit back here and kick the back of your seat while you drive, just like you've been doing to me for the last 16 years. <laughs> Come on, that's funny, right? All right, I got one more for you. There are two, two friends sitting around talking and the first friend says, hey, what does your father do for a living? And the second friend goes, well, he's a magician. He performs tricks like, Song people in half and the first friend goes wow. Do you have any brothers any sisters? And, uh, and the friend goes I sure do I got four half sisters and a half brother <laughs> Hey, come on. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny Listen as we start this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles I'd love for you to grab them open up to Romans uh, Chapter 13 also I want to encourage you if you generally don't take notes I'm going to give you four key points today. I encourage you, get a pen and paper um, and just kind of follow along. So we're going to look at Romans 13, 11 and 12. Now, what I'm reading to you from is from the message translation. And this is what it says. It says, don't get so absorbed and exhausted and in in taking care of your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over, and dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Paul is saying, today is the day for you and for me. It's time for us. He's saying, wake up. Wake up, look around. What's God doing? Listen, there's ever been a time in our country to wake up to what's going on, it's now. But he's telling us, hey, wake up to the truth. Wake up to God's love. Wake up to his power. Wake up to the full meaning and the implications of the resurrection in your life and and men. And to wake up to the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and my life. And he wants us to ensure that we're stepping into it. You know, the Apostle Paul is calling all of us into a deeper level in our walk with Christ. He's calling you and I to a higher level of integrity and accountability with himself and with others. He's calling you to a broader, wider reach of your influence for his kingdom. He's calling you to be a man, a man who lives by convictions, not for convenience. He's calling you to be a man who lives not just by your word, but by a man of his word. You see, we're going to look at what happened in the lives of God's people and a story found in the Old Testament, all right? So if you got your Bibles, go ahead, and turn back to Joshua, and we're going to look at Joshua in chapter 24. And we're going to see now, as you're looking, Joshua's just led the people, well, the story's made, he's led the people into the promised land, and now he's come to the end of his life. And this is his farewell address. And he's challenging them to a deepened commitment and a renewed dedication to integrity to step, a, a step up in their commitment to God. As we read this, you're going to see he's challenging them not to just exist, but to fully possess this promised land that God's given to them. And I want you to notice here, there's an eternal truth here, and it's a don't miss this. You know, if this is your first time watching this, you know, I, have, I throw into my message something called don't miss this. And that's if you miss anything else, I say try to remember these don't miss this. But this is the first one today. The church is only as strong as its people's commitment to God. It's powerful. Remember that. And for us today, you know, to possess the land, you know what that means? It means to fully engage in and to live out the fullness of life in Christ. No longer living by the world's values, but now living according to God's values. Are you hearing me about making a difference with your life and the world around you? for the kingdom of God. So in Joshua 24, you can go to verse 14 through 15, it says this, this is powerful. Joshua said, now therefore, he's at the end of his life now, remember. He says, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and do away with the gods which your fathers served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. He says, I want you, and he goes, I want you to serve the Lord But if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, well, fine. He says, you know, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land right now that you're living in. But I love this part. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, I, I, I want you to notice four things. These are the things I, I want to challenge. It's a challenge from Joshua, and, I, and I'm encourage you. I, I hope you write these down. So here's the first one. The choice he's calling them to is intentional. Did you catch that? Hear what he said. He says, choose for yourselves whom you're going to serve. Okay, do you understand no one can choose for you. Your wife can't choose for you. Your friends can't. Your parents can't choose for you it's your choice you can't follow the lord accidentally right we all know that right it's got to be intentional decision choose this day whom you will serve and second did you notice that the choice he says it's urgent he said choose for yourselves this day he said today he said today right now in this kairos moment to achieve your god's intended purpose did you notice what he didn't say? He didn't say, now let's talk about this. All right, and then when, you know what, why don't you go on, take a couple days, go on home, mull it over, have a cup of coffee, decide, then come on back, and, and let's talk about what you think. No, 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 he says, no, the time is now. Choose this day whom you will serve. And the third thing to notice, what he noticed is that the choice is unavoidable. Because he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve because, by intention or default, oh, you're gonna serve somebody. You know, Bob Dylan had to write in his song when he said, it might be the devil and it might be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. You know why he said that? Because you will. It's inevitable, you're gonna serve somebody. And fourth, Joshua says, the choice, and this one, I think, even though the other three are really important, this one, this is generational. As for me and my house, Do you catch that? So let me tell you what else is at stake. Are you ready? It's your kids. It's your grandchildren. It's your great-grandchildren's futures at stake. Are you hearing me? You must take responsibility for your household, for the values that your family is going to live by, and for the God that they're going to worship. Oh, I hope you're grasping this. Joshua told his people, throw away those foreign gods that are among you. Remember what he stated in verse 15? Choose for yourselves today whom you're going to serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you're living right now. So you're thinking, well, how does that apply to you today? Well, it's real simple. The gods of Egypt, They're the gods of your past. He's saying, yeah, I mean, remember, they came out of Egypt to slavery for 400 years. He's basically saying, come on, you want to stay in slavery? He's talking to all of us, you want to stay in slavery? He's saying by worshiping old gods, that they're holding on to old values, that they're bringing old lifestyles with them, that they're carrying the memories of their slavery with them back right right now into the future. Joshua says, basically, listen, he goes, you got to let go of that stuff. You gotta get it out of your life. So I gotta ask you, here's the question I wanna ask you. What enslaved you before you gave your life to Jesus Christ? What enslaved you before you gave your life to Jesus Christ? You see, God's saying, walk away from it. (laughs) God's saying, don't bring it with you anymore. Leave it behind you. Get rid of the gods of Egypt. And more importantly, more than that, get rid of the gods of the Amorites and the land that you're living. You see, the gods and the Amorites are the gods of our culture right now, friends. And he's saying, don't live by the value system of the world around you, because there's going to be a high price to pay if you live according to the world's values. Friends, it just is. I mean, look at these two verses. Look at this one from Jonah. Jonah 2.8 says, those who cling to worthless idols, Turn away from God's love for them. And how about 2 Kings 17? It said they followed worthless idols and themselves became, what's it say, everyone? Yeah, worthless. So here's the question we have to ask, all right? Here's the question. Am I holding on to something? Right now, I ask yourself, either from my past or the value system of this world that's causing me to forfeit the fullness of God's grace in my life, his full grace in my marriage, in my family, in my finances, in my business. Is there something I'm holding on to that's keeping me from getting a grip on what God really wants to do in my life? Is there? God has called each of us into a whole new way of living. That's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, listen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. He's saying, listen, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That old life has old life is gone and a new life's begun. Understand, he's saying it's begun. It hasn't happened right away. It's over time. It's a process. So scripture verse that says that he who begun the good work and you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's a process. It's going through it. So I need to ask you some tough questions. I know it's not normally what I do, but I need to ask you some tough questions. But they're questions that we all have to ask ourselves and take a good hard look at our own lives. And you're the only person, (laughs) you're the only one that can answer these questions and your answers are only between you and God. It's nobody else's business between you and God. So here's a question. Are there any idols that you're sacrificing to? Are there any idols that you're sacrificing to? Like for instance, are you sacrificing your family to an idol of success? Are you sacrificing your ethics to an idol of money or possessions? How about this? Are you sacrificing decency to an idol of indecent entertainment? Are you sacrificing moral purity to an idol of immoral relationship? Are you sacrificing God's highest good for you to idols of past memories, lifestyles, behaviors that you're just not willing to let go of yet? Let me ask you this. Who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your life? Who are you living for? Are you living for yourself or for a higher purpose? For God himself? Look, search your heart. Look for anything you're hanging on to that's keeping you from fully possessing the land, fully possessing the new life that God wants you to have in Christ. Do you see what Joshua is doing? Joshua challenges all of us just to this higher level of personal commitment and devotion. And, but he says, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, he's not, he's speaking not just for himself. Do you get what? He's speaking for his family, his entire household. That's what he's doing. He's making a decision and a commitment on their behalf. And he's encouraging all the other men to do the same thing. He's encouraging all you men out there to do the same thing. He's saying to them, step up, guys. Take responsibility for the spiritual health and the well-being of your family. He says, step up and do this. Look, at this is the most important, don't miss this I think I have today. You cannot delegate your family's spiritual destiny. Oh man, I'm gonna say that again. You cannot delegate your family's spiritual destiny to anyone else. Friends, we're talking about forever. Their spiritual destiny. You have to ask yourself the question. You gotta ask yourself this. When your kids and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren look at your life, hey, believe me, they do. Do they think that God is essential or is he optional to you? What do they think? Is God, do they see God being essential in your life or do they see God just being optional? As I said when I started, we're all, you know, coming at this from different places in our spiritual life. I know some of you have followed the Lord for a long time. And I know some of you are just getting started. And there's some of you who have had your ups and downs, and so you may not even, gosh, you know, Paul, I'm not even sure where to begin. But young or old, single or married, kids, no kids. My hope is that you're hearing me today, not as a judge, but as a friend who cares about you, as a pastor who cares about this church, calling you to join me. To make a deeper commitment to be a godly man here's another don't miss this if there is one thing this world desperately needs right now it's more godly men she hear me if there's one thing this world desperately needs right now it's more godly men all we got to do is look around and see what's going on all around us I love what Paul says in Romans 13 verse 11 <laughs> Paul says, this is important. He goes, do this, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from the sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. You know, there's a famous childhood prayer we probably all have heard. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord. My soul to take. Friends, the Apostle Paul told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Men, that's all of us. Everyone listening right now. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it's good or whether it's bad. So let me ask you, what do you think about this? What would people say at your eulogy? What would they say? What would your family say? What would your kids say? What would the Lord say? Would he say to you, good job, good and faithful servant? Or you wicked and lazy servant, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. We're just going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What would he say to you? What would your family say about you? Listen, men and women, these are questions to ask ourselves though the main push obviously is towards men today, but we have to ask ourselves, am I seeking him? Am I seeking God? Am I seeking him truly on a daily basis? Am I trying to hear from him? You know, the scripture verse that talks "The sheep know his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you know God's voice? Do you know how to hear God's voice getting into his word and following what he has to say? Are we holding our thoughts captive? Are we? Are we holding them captive? You know, the power of the tongue. Scripture talks so much about it. How, just, uh, how a spark can start a forest fire. So can the words that come out of our mouth if we don't watch what comes out of them. We've got to keep them captive. Are we using our words to edify? Are we? Are we edifying at home? Are you edifying your wife, your kids? Out on the golf course in your workplace? I love what Paul says here in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. I think it's such, so wise, it says, brothers and sisters, he goes, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, are you listening to these words? Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, you know, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Boy, is that one thing our families need? Isn't that one thing we all need? Don't we all need the God of peace to be with us? What are you focusing on? What are you guiding on? What are you listening to? What are you following? What are you following? Did you ask yourself, am I living a life that's transparent? In other words, if someone was to follow you around all day long, whether it was on the golf course or tennis or grocery shopping or whatever, what would it look like to them? Would your yes be yes, your no be no? You have to ask yourself, am I striving to meet the mission God's called me to, are you? Am I actually walking out my calling? How am I using my gifts and my talents? As you look around your life, is there any fruit in my life? Is there any fruit coming? I'm talking about eternal fruit that lasts forever. Do I mourn for those who don't know God? Don't know Jesus? How about this? Do the things that break God's heart break mine? If you asked that, do I have a passion to make disciples? Can people see Jesus in me? (laughs) Listen, man, this is, don't miss this. Inconsistent fathers produce insecure children and unreliable husbands produce unstable marriages remember that hang on to that as the Apostle Paul told us in Hebrews 4 and if you write this down Hebrews four, eleven through 13 he basically is saying so men therefore let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience for the Word of God are you listening is active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both the joints and the marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart and this is so important there is no creature hidden from his sight you understand you can't hide from god but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes from him to whom we must all answer so when god says when you're standing there before him one day he turns around he's looking behind he goes hey who'd you bring with you Would there be anybody there? Will there? How about your family? Men, dads, grandfathers, -grandfathers, great-grandfathers, great-great-grandfathers, fathers-to-be. I have a closing story for you. I tell this at every Father's Day. It's powerful, it's from Patrick Morley and his book called The Man in the Mirror. And he tells a story of a fishing trip A group of fishermen had landed in a secluded bay in Alaska, and had a great day fishing for salmon. But when they returned to their seaplane, they were surprised to discover that it was aground because of the fluctuating tides. They had no option except to wait until the next morning until the tides well obviously came back in, right? But when they took off, oh my gosh. When they took off that following morning, they only got a few feet off the ground and they came crashing into the sea. Being aground, see what happened, being aground the day before, it punctured one of the pontoons and it filled up with water. The seaplane slowly began to sink, and there were three men and a 12 year old boy named Mark. They prayed, the men, they all got together, they prayed, and they jumped into the icy cold waters to swim ashore. Oh, can you imagine how cold the water was and the riptide was strong and two of the men reached the shore exhausted. But then they looked back and their companion, who was also a very strong swimmer, didn't swim to shore because his 12-year-old son wasn't strong enough to make it. They saw that father with his arms around his son being swept out to sea. He chose to die with his son rather than to live without him, You see, there's a fact of life that most kids don't know. We love our children so much, we die for them. If I were to ask every father who's listening here today, there's not one of you that wouldn't stand up and wouldn't do the same thing for his son or his daughter. I dare say every father would leap to his feet. So fathers, as we close here, I want to encourage you to bless your children. Bless them by a meaningful touch. Give them a hug. Bless them through verbal affirmation. Tell them how proud you are of them. Let them know how valuable and important they are. Help them develop a positive outlook for their future. And most of all, bless them. Let them know you're committed to them. Dads future dad it's not enough to speak the words set the example by your willingness to sacrifice for them to pray to spend time in helping them develop their gifts playing games whatever it is you're doing with them so on this day God's I want to bless all of your dads out there God blessings on all of your fathers all of you all of your future dads father I ask that your spirit would just come along all of them give them the courage to wake up anything that might have been sleeping in their spirit father bring them forth make them stand in the gap today for their parents we need we need godly men father more than we ever need them today we need you to empower them to come alongside them with a special boost of your Holy Spirit, to give them the courage and the strength that they need to be the best dad, the best husband, the best men that they can possibly be. And I thank you, Father, for them and to be with them as the sheer unwinds in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.